Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. This is 1039 LI News Radio. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here, and I'd like to welcome everyone back to our continuing series with Darlene Cunahan and welcome Darlene back. She's an educator, extraordinary educator, and and uh, and she's a philosopher, and she's uh, all types of things. Yeah, I, I consider her a philosopher, and she certainly has a, a wonderful outlook on on education and getting through to uh, to to so many people. She's an award winning educator, of course. Darlene Cunahan is our very special guest. Darlene, how are you? I'm pretty. I'm good. You. You too, I hope. Yeah, I am. And you know, I I said I said philosopher because you kind of have a whole outlook on education that that many people uh, I think would share if they got it. But you you can only really get that through experience. Uh, it's it's one thing to think about educating; it, it's another thing to actually go about it and and put it into motion. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Well, wouldn't you say? I mean, you you agree. I agree. Well, having said that, you know you've uh, you've you've been an educator for many years. You're retired now. Um, you know the maybe you know a little bit about the differences between the the college students that you were around while you were studying and uh, and the high school students and the uh, and the younger students that you uh, experience. Uh, how, how much different is the mindset by the time they get to college? Oh, I don't know. I guess it varies by person to person. It's like I decided to become a teacher when I was in seventh and second grade, but I hadn't decided what I was going to major in. I just knew that that's what I wanted to do. So I, from that young age, I started getting little jobs in the neighborhood, and I continued to do that all through college, too. So, you know, I did things like walk dogs, go down to the grocery store and pick up stuff for people who who couldn't go down there. You know, I, all kinds of things. I shoveled the snow, I mowed grass, and so on. You, you didn't have a silver spoon in your mouth, that's for sure. You, you and me both weren't born with silver, so we had to work for what we got. And Right, I knew I had... Uh, my parents weren't going to be able to give me money to go to college. So I also made sure that I did really well academically in school. And I did whatever I needed to do that was, what do I want to call it? Anyway, I didn't do things that were inappropriate in any way. Let's put it that way. I did things to make sure that I did well in school. And one of the things I did to make sure that I did do that was, although I was a very good swimmer, and I was on a swim team at the local YMCA, and we we had competitions among swim teams in other cities, and I actually set a couple records in the AAU when I was swimming. But when I when I got seriously into the uh, other academics in the seventh grade, I gave up swimming so that I could do the athletic stuff that I wanted. 
And I had an exceptionally good PE teacher who put all the best kids as seventh graders all up all in the same PE class at the end of the day. And we stayed after school most days, too. And it was like practice, practice, practice. <laughs> and we did very well. And I learned, you know, a lot of things along the way. And so one of my biggest challenges was getting to college. So, but I also sort of did things the Darlene Cunahan way. I called colleges and, and talked to them. Oh, and I, by the way, in my high school graduation, another boy and I tied for the largest number of awards. And one of the things I got was a very small scholarship from the Honor Society that I was a member of. And one was from PE. And right off, I don't recall what the other one was. I think it might have been for a perfect attendance for all seven years. I mean, six years that I was there. I, I must say, I think I went to school a few times when I probably should have stayed home. But that's not what I did. So, Go ahead. Continue. Uh, it's like, so where am I headed? <laughs> yeah. I wanted to get in college, so I, I called the colleges and talked to them on the phone. And I, w I was accepted into and decided to go to Hood College in Frederick, Maryland. And most of the kids in college came from different backgrounds than I had. Uh, most like it's amazing. I I knew people in college who would fly to California for the weekend, and who had designer clothes and 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 that's just, and I I didn't have any of those things or do any of those things, but they didn't know that they didn't know that I had a completely different kind of life prior to being in college. I never told them. So, you know, they treated me like everybody else pretty much. And, uh, for example, when I was a junior, I ran for the president of the Girls Athletic Association, and I won. You know, and I had to give speeches and do all that stuff, too. And I also, the PE department had this intramural competition once. And I, the dorm that I live in was not known for academics. In fact, they were probably known more for what they did socially. But, um, oh. I just got. I just lost my thought. Oh, this is embarrassing. A, a good time to take a break. Let me let, let me just uh, quickly remind folks that are listening uh, for the for the first time. Uh, if you haven't heard our other shows, please binge listen. Darlene Cunahan is our very special guest and uh, fascinating uh, educator over thirty five years uh, worth of experience and uh, and you know obviously a great student and you know those. Who, uh, who've been listening? I think would uh, would develop an immediate respect for uh, for what she's done 
in her career and what she's done in her life. Uh, lots of awards uh, came her way, not just in school, but uh, again afterwards and looking back on an education. Frank McKay here, but much more importantly, uh, looking at her career, Darlene Cunahan is our very special guest once again. Uh, Darlene, let me let, let me jump in. You said something interesting. You said you you knew because your parents couldn't give you money for for school that your behavior had to be had to be much differently uh, or much different uh, it had to be you know and you couldn't make mistakes you couldn't screw up you couldn't uh, you know you couldn't do these things some of these you know wealthier kids um, that uh, that you probably ran into at hood and and other places in your life uh, many of these kids it didn't have to worry so much, and their behavior can be different. It is a much different world for for those who are have-nots, which which I was, and I say that with pride. I was a have-not, and I had to work for everything I got. And and you, uh, you know, obviously were someone who, uh, you know, you you just didn't have that silver spoon in your mouth, and you didn't have a pile of money put in front of you. So uh, again, you you brought up a very interesting point. That's not talked about all that often when you have to work for a living you have to work to get what you want you have to watch your behavior oh yeah you know of course i did you know i i I couldn't be sent to the office in school for doing something wrong as i was growing up yeah but i i had to get good grades i and my parents wanted me to too in fact you know, I remember one time I got uh, all A's and one B, and uh, my parents, they had to make a check mark on the thing that I had to return to school saying whether or not they were pleased with my uh, <laughs> performance, and my parents would say, well, are you pleased with this? <laughs> you pleased with that B that you got? And if I said no, they would put no on there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so it was like they gave me, they, they acknowledged that I, it was up to me and what I chose to do. So it was what I cared about that mattered. And I, I think that's kind of special for a parent, too. Well, no doubt. I mean, I'm the, the, the father of four, and... My wife and I, uh, you know, we uh, we would certainly appreciate that, uh, and we have good kids. We're blessed with wonderful, wonderful offspring, and um, you know, but we we would have been thrilled if our daughter was anything like you, and she is. She's her own person. She's terrific, but I, you know, I I would have to believe too that you would have those. Uh, those same feelings towards students that you saw yourself in. Did you did you come across uh, students that were were much like you as a youngster, as a child? Well, there were some other students like me when I went to junior and senior high school, and of course I, I encountered some as a teacher. You can't teach for thirty years and and not have that happen. 
Well, I mean, having said that, I, I mean, do you uh, do you attend uh, gravitate towards those students to uh, you know, especially if you know they, uh, you know that again, not they don't have that silver spoon in their mouth and um, and and they're they're working hard to get somewhere because they need to work hard to get to where they uh, they want to be. Uh, do you do you tend to, as an educator, gravitate towards those students and try to give them that extra encouragement? Well, yes, I try to do that to all my students, even the ones that appeared to need it as much as perhaps others. And, uh, like, uh, one time I had a student who, well, I was a pretty uh, demanding teacher academically. So I had this student who had always gotten A's, and in my class, lo and behold, he gets his first C on a test. And this is like the first test of the year. And he was really upset. And I knew that. And I asked him if he could meet me with me after school the day I gave the test back. And he said, no, he rode a bus. So I called him at home that night. And I spent at least an hour on the phone talking with him. Uh, most of the time I talked with him was to give him more ideas about how to study for a test, how to decide what's more important, what's less important, and and to study a little bit every night so that when it gets near test time, you don't need to study so much. You just need to review you don't cram. Um, and one of the things I did, too, is I gave a quiz every day to my classes to help keep them on their toes. And I don't know if I mentioned it before, but uh, one year, at one point, I decided maybe I didn't have to keep giving them all the time because everybody was doing their homework, everybody was studying and doing well in the quizzes. So I stopped for a few weeks, and the kids asked, actually asked me to start giving them again because they their, their grades weren't as good on the unit test as normal. You know, I, and I taught in junior high school, and, well, I taught two years in high school, but, but the kids coming in, nobody ever taught them how to take notes or how to study or how to get organized or plan their time. And I did that with all of my classes. And then I would hone in on ones that weren't doing it and not performing as well as I knew the, or as well as I thought they could. So... What else can I say? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, listen, it's it, you know, it's it, it's important. You know, when you get a teacher who's conscientious uh, enough to uh, to care. Look, we have. T and my father was an educator for over forty years, so I I have the greatest deal of respect for uh, for education. I, I've been on the board of three colleges. Uh, the Board of Governors or the Board of Trustees on three different colleges, including the uh, Toro Law School here. And one of the things that I, uh, you know, I realize in, in 
and teachers and educators is that there's burnout. There's tremendous burnout, and there are some teachers who who really don't care. They get tenure, and I don't know if tenure is uh, the same in Maryland as it is here in New York, but when when somebody gains tenure after, it was three years uh, in the last I checked, it was three years. Once you get it, you really can't get fired. And once people get tenured and they get burnt out, you know, maybe they just start handing out copies, uh, you know, like, uh, um, you know, photostats uh, of, of lessons to kids and they just sit back and they read their newspaper or whatever and they really, uh, they don't care as much. Did you see a lot of that in your, um, in your colleagues? Did you see burnout? Did you see people who, who taught past uh, their, their point of interest? Yes, I did, because there were were many years earlier in in my career before I taught in the math, science, computer science magnet program, where I was the math resource teacher, and the math resource teacher is like a department chairperson, but it also has other uh, duties. I had to observe other teachers and meet with them afterwards and point out the good things they did and point out... some things that they could do for improvement and try to get them to work on making such improvements. So, yes, I encountered pretty much all kinds of teachers by doing that. Uh, Some were very good. On occasion, I'd see them do something I thought was really neat, and I would decide to do it too. Or I would read about something in the paper somebody did, and I would try to do it too. But in in one school where I was the head of the math department, before I even got there, I met with the senior high school resource teacher, and there were three junior highs that said that high school, and she told me basically that they could tell who came from the school where I was, Ridgeview, because especially in in the more difficult courses, the kids from Ridgeview weren't doing as well and didn't have the background that the other kids had. That it seemed as if there were lots of things in their prerequisite courses in the junior high that hadn't really been taught or covered very well. So, whew. I mean, and I found this out before school started. And I was at the largest junior high in the county. I don't remember the exact number. I had like maybe 11 teachers in the department plus an aide. So I had to figure out what I have to decide how how I was going to deal with this. You know, so one of the things I did was I, I at the first department meeting I found out well actually before the meeting individually with teachers I would catch a few times here and there I found out which units they had covered in each of those prerequisite courses and what I found out was they never did any of some of the courses of the chapters or units that they should have done. So if they never never even addressed the entire units and more than one of them, how could the kids do well in high school? So how did that happen? Well, some of them did it because they wanted to make sure every single kid in the class always understood. 
So they decided to just spend more time on topics until everybody got it. And then they ended up punishing the kids instead of really helping them because they were set up for for doing poorly in high school. So one of the things I did was at the first department meeting, I, I brought up the problem. Also, I had already had some knowledge from the kids that I was teaching because I, I was also teaching classes, just one class less than they were. And I had this one class, algebra, an algebra class where the kids, and it was supposed to be like an honors class, and it, it wasn't even a, a regular class in terms of the background they should have had given the county curriculum. So I ended up finding out how slow that some of them were going, and I got them to promise, make a commitment that for one month, they would double the speed at which they taught. And they had to do it for a whole month, and then we would meet and see what happens. And it was amazing. They all did that. And the feedback I got from them a month later, from every one of them was, the kids that were doing poorly, some of them were still doing poorly. But most of them were all doing a lot better, and all the brighter kids were a lot happier. And the whole class seemed to come alive more. More people were participating. So, so I didn't try to encourage them to keep a double speed the entire year, but for them to learn that when they're going so slow, they're boring a whole lot of people. Yeah. And that's not good. And that's not what education should be. They needed to step up, find ways to do it, and teach faster. I got the principal to allow them to uh, get coverage for a class so they could come watch me. And that seemed to make a difference, too. Well, tremendous. I, I, you know, just listening to you, I understand why you've won all these awards and you've gotten all these accolades and, uh, and, and everything else. I, do, you, do you have a, a, a summary, like what at the end of it, at at the end of your career and teaching, uh, what, what did you what did you know then, if you if you can kind of wrap a bow around it that you didn't know when you started out? I'm sure it was a tremendous amount of things, but it, what was the big thing that you learned uh, as you ended that you didn't know in the beginning? Oh wow! So in the beginning, I was 22 years old. <laughs> I was a youngster. Well. I don't know how this worked. I guess I have to go back and think about this. But I never, ever had a discipline problem. And I taught all kinds of kids. And I taught kids from the wealthiest area in the county to ones with the poorest area in the county. So I don't know exactly how that happened. <laughs> but I guess I need to think about why that is. Somehow there was something about me. They just knew from the first day that it wasn't okay to mess around in my class. <laughs> yeah. Oh, 
I never told you this. Oh, that's another story I should tell you if I didn't. Another time. When I first went to Tacoma Park Junior High School, I had this, I created a class you wouldn't believe. I don't think I. What was the class? Well, I was always about 26 when I got that position. And my first school was in the wealthiest area of the county. And I applied and got the math resource position in the area that was the poorest area of the county and where the kids had the lowest test scores in the county and the state. So here's what happened. I discovered that there were so many kids that that just didn't seem to have their math background, period. And they all seemed to let some of them interrupt negative behaviors of their students persist without being very effective at dealing with it. And most of them were also going too slow teaching. So anyway, so what I decided to do was I wanted them all to start making sure those kids that come to us, came to us with poor backgrounds, didn't continue to have such insufficient math backgrounds. Because we were getting kids from the elementary school coming into a junior high, which was grade seven, eight, nine. And a lot of those kids didn't even know the curriculum from the fifth grade curriculum in the county, let alone the sixth grade. And then we also had a lot of kids that were used to being bullies and were behavioral problems. So I had to think about it a lot. I ended up going to the principal and saying, look, this is the problem. I suspect you're aware of the problem. We need to change this. I found a way to deal with this problem, but I can't do it without your approval. And I said, I want you to let me tell the people in my department that for seventh grade, for them to give me, they're like three or four worst kids in the class that were also behind grade level. So they had to be at least two years behind grade level and be discipline problems. And I said, I want you to take all those kids and put them all together in one class and I'll teach it and I'll give up my planning time to do it. Wow. And he said, you're crazy. (laughs) (laughs) I said, I know you think that. And the, the teachers are going to think that, too, and they'll be very happy to get rid of some of those kids and give them to me. I said, the failure is not okay. I will succeed. Because after, I want you to give me three weeks, and then I want you to require each one of them to come observe me teaching that class twice. And he said, boy, that's a real risk. I said, I know, I'm a person of courage. But I also stand for excellence and what's going on here isn't even mediocre. (laughs) We need to do something and we need to do it now. If they see me teaching those kids and they're all behaving and doing their homework and 
during the whole my quizzes, they'll know they don't have to let those kids slip through the cracks and that they can start doing some things too. Amazing. How did it end up? What was the bottom line on it? The bottom line is all those kids gained at least two years of math that year with me. Yeah, just absolutely amazing. And I, I mean, there were a bunch of things I did to make sure that would happen. A lot of those things from the very beginning that most people would never ever do. I don't know if we have time for me to tell you what they were. Oh, well, See, I'm a rather, I'm an unusual problem solver. Yeah, well, that this honestly keep your thought because uh, that would be great for our, our part four next week. But uh, let me just tell you. Um, and just amazing, what uh, and what what a way to end. Uh, it just I, I wish more teachers were like that, more educators were like that. It, it takes courage to be an educator. Sometimes it certainly takes courage to be an educator, like Darlene Acunahan is, and this is why she got all the glory and the and the awards and everything else. And uh, Darlene, I want to thank you uh, for sharing with us. But I, you know, on behalf of parents everywhere, and even though I didn't have kids in 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 uh, in the Maryland school uh system but uh what what a job you did and uh and and you continue to do here talking about it i want to thank you very much for that and uh and certainly being here and i want to encourage everyone out there to binge listen to everything we've done here with Darlene Cunahan continuing series here with uh with us Darlene thank you very much and thank you Darlene Cunahan everyone Please binge listen to everything we've done. Uh, you understand, and I now, you know, I certainly understand uh, why she's gotten the accolades, all the awards she has as an educator. Frank McKay signing off. Darlene Cunahan has been our very special guest. We'll see you all next time on Breaking It Down.